should I guess who the killer is that's on the other end of the Zoom call? I, I think it's pretty clear by the kawaii movement. It's it's me, but uh, hilarious. I, I don't know. Uh, hey, <clears throat> <laughs> can can you do a ghost face impression? Uh, I can try. Go for it. What's your favorite scary movie? I have no idea how that sounds through the sheet plastic that I'm like. Uh, it was, you're about 65% there. Yeah. Wrong. Mrs. Voorhees was really the killer in the first part of the... That was a bit closer. You, you're always there. You're almost there. Ah. <laughs> oh, man. What up, it's your boy, D-Mark Rob, a.k.a. Sean Matt Love, a.k.a. Hank the Tank, a.k.a. Spike Singleton, a.k.a. Power of the Blog, a.k.a. Felony Griffith, <laughs> coming at you with a new episode of We Should Do This Again Sometime. This episode was originally recorded September 27th, 2021, as a part of our fourth season fall releases. It should have come out during last October, but life happens. I'm sorry, cat. Hope you still love me. <laughs> However, next week we'll be reviewing Scream 5. So the episode serves a kismet purpose dropping in consecutive weeks. So I kind of made up for it a little bit. <laughs> enjoy the episode and enjoy next week's episode. Peace. Sydney. Like, I don't know. It, it also is not consistent. Like, I know it's the same guy every time, but the idea that the technology gets a little better so it sounds a little different every time is like clever. I appreciated that. That is a thing I noticed. <laughs> By the fourth movie, it's clear like they're they're definitely recording in like some high res studio, like really in the audio through. Oh, you could tell in the first one too, because when they yell at, I think I said this when we were talking about Scream One last year, when Billy and Stu are yelling into the voice changer at the end, uh, it does yeah. not sound like that. Yeah, surprise, Sydney. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, this was in my Halloween closet and it fell out last year and I had never seen it before immediately after watching Scream 2. And <laughs> needless to say, you were very surprised. Very creepy. Very creepy. Yeah, I, I like it because I have my glasses on under this and it's not pressing down on my nose too much. It's nice. Oh, really? So you can be someone with terrible vision and still be Ghostface. Shout out to I that. Mean, is, is that not the plot of Scream 3? <laughs> a terrible vision for the movie? Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, I liked Scream 3 more than I think I probably was supposed to. Really? Yeah. Ooh, uh... I didn't think it was great. I think it was probably like the weakest of all of them. But like maybe it's just because I liked watching all of them be stupid with their movie counterparts. <laughs> I think maybe that was the only one that really embraced the stupidity of it all. I also like, feel like that was the first one where they were making lots of very, like, the Patrick Dempsey had a bunch of noir detective posters up in yeah. his office. 
one of them was for Kiss Me Deadly, which is like one of my favorite movies of all time. And like, oh. I feel like I had much more fun watching for those little details than maybe I did with the whole movie. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Like this, like this screen three is purposefully funny. And it's to me, it's so strange because like the beginning of it, it's like, why are they making jokes? And then by the end of it, you're like, ah, oh, fuck it. They're leaning to the bad jokes. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah. I really feel like Scream 4 lost me in the beginning. Really? Why is that? Yeah, I did not like the vignettes. Yeah, it was... And like, I at one point I was like, oh, I'm 20 minutes into this and the movie hasn't started yet. (laughs) They were were opening too many rabbit holes within the rabbit holes. It it was a bit much. Well, like, I think it's because they had a bunch of people who were like, oh my God, I would love to be in Scream and like, they just didn't have space for all of them. Yeah, they thought their ass would be Drew Barrymore iconic, but they were just really a, a footnote, really. Yeah, and like, I, I didn't care. The whole point is like, Scream 3 is like, this is why you shouldn't care about horror sequels. Yeah. Certainly not the Stab movies. And yes. then the beginning of Scream 4 is like, you should care about Stab, actually. And I'm like, no, thank you. very much so yes absolutely but anyway i felt like scream 3 was maybe that was the biggest budget one as well because i feel like it had the most like elaborate sets i felt like all the jokes in scream 3 were like little hidden visual jokes and not like moment jokes you know what i mean i think it was a mix though but i'm picking up where you're putting down and uh, i'm looking at the budgets now and i think that you're probably right i think by this time i think they were like full steam ahead especially with the sex of one and two so the budget for screen three was 40 million i mean that's that's a lot of cannolis boy i tell you that much because like watching the like horror producer's house yeah the mansion, i felt like yeah. i was pausing every two seconds to like scope out what was in the background it almost doubled Scream 2. Scream 2 was 24 million. Yeah. And so like that to me was more what I was looking at. It reminds me, this is going to be such a weird reference, but it reminds me a little bit of Crimson Peak where okay. it felt like half of the story was in like the details of the set. Especially, I mean, they're, they're like trying to rebuild the, the Woodsboro homes where all the murders happened. So yeah, there's a lot of intentionality in that. And I really enjoy stuff like that. I won't even say the mystery was the weakest. I think it was the poorest handled. I think it could have been handled better. What do you mean by that? Well, so they were like, a thing happened. And I was like, a thing. And then they were like, that was my mom. And they were like, that was her mom. Like, and you know, whatever. Like, and then he was like, I'm your brother. And she was like, oh, neat. (laughs) Like, I really feel like there should have been more weight to that. Also, I didn't want to talk about this, but here I am talking about it anyway. Go for it. Okay, so we can all agree that the villain of Scream 3 is an incel. (laughs) Ooh. I know it's like established that he had sex with the actress who played Gail like once, but like it's not happening anymore. Yeah, that may have been his only time getting laid. And it seems like women turned me away. Every woman is a whore like my mother, but none of them love me. I'm going to kill them all. And the men, they let love on them. 
That's in the incels uh, territory right there, boy. I tell you what. Maybe I just enjoyed watching the incel get shot. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, well, yeah, this is way before language of what incels actually are. But uh, also, so I watched the four screen movies in six days. Oh, shit. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, I was kind of feeling it by Scream 4, I'll be honest. I bet. I was feeling it watching Scream 3 alone. <laughs> so my favorite thing about Scream, and I think I touched on it last time, is I love that he's just a serial killer. Yeah. Like, Michael Myers is like, there's something otherworldly about him, you know? And like, that's part of his appeal. And I get that. And I love him. But like, I love watching Ghostface fall downstairs. I love watching Ghostface get easily avoidable chairs, causing him much distress. <laughs> great, great damage. Um, Losing mad hit points running through the house. Yeah. I love that, like, in Scream 4, at one point, Sydney literally pokes him in the forehead and it causes him to fall down the stairs. Yes. I love that he is a serial killer and a human one. And I think that's part of what makes the series really special is like there was a moment in Scream 4 where Gail and Dewey were like, he's just a guy. We should be able to find him. Like, and, <laughs> and the frustration of like, no, it's not even like a special. It's a guy. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I would say of the four movies, for some reason, I think Gail, that may have been her best one. She was like so ambitious, I but really it really felt in, ground in reality. I really liked three for Gail. I know controversial opinion, but they probably initially wrote Scream 3 as Gail Weathers' movie. Maybe. Because I like that she does most of the actual detective work. Hi, excuse me. I am Gail Weathers and I'm here researching with the police this photo was taken at the studio. Her name is Maureen Prescott. Back then it was probably Roberts. Hey, are you? No. But you look just- Like her? I've been hearing it all my life. It's uncanny. I was up for Princess Leia. I was this close. So who gets it? The one who sleeps with George Lucas. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring up a, a sore subject for you. Sure you didn't. None of them did. So how can I help you? Or do you want me to tell you who you look like? <laughs> How about some information on Maureen Roberts? I don't work for the cops, sweetie. I work for the studio. Really? Well, would you work for the president? The president of the studio. $50? Who are you a reporter for Woodsboro High? worth two grand are you gonna help gail weathers or not gail and gail actress and like i loved that because initially it starts as like i'm gonna get the story i'm gonna outscoop everybody but then it kind of turns into and i'm gonna protect my friend and i'm gonna yeah. protect dewey you know and you see her kind of grow to encompass all of those things yeah and i like that i like that a lot and I kind of hate that in Scream 4, she and Dewey are fighting. I think that was actually pretty realistic. I think that for I, yeah, her ambition, her ambition realistic. actually outweighed the small town doing this stuff. Realistic and good aren't necessarily the same. 
Uh, I think for me it was, but well, why why do you think they wouldn't have some kind of conflict though? I don't think the issue is whether or not they would have some kind of conflict, but it just seems like the 10 years had turned both of them so bitter and resentful towards each other. And like going from Scream 3 to the next day to Scream 4 and like, I don't know. I was like, mom, dad, please stop fighting. It, it was very much. <laughs> I understand if she's like, you know what? I, I know I said I retired from public life, but like I have a chance to do something here. Let me help. Let me be a part of this. And that's what she's doing. But then it's like maybe implied that he's like screwing around with the deputy, which I hate. It would be one thing if it was like, you know what? Sometimes couples fight and she's like, I need to go do this. And he's like, let me keep you safe. Right. Because I feel like that to me is like their quintessential struggle. Right. Yeah. But instead he's like, oh my God, stop getting in my way. And that's not who he is, or at least not who he has been established to be previously. It's not about like, I'm going to do this with you or without you. Well, we're partners. We should do this together. You know, he's like, listen, I'm in charge now and I need to keep you safe. I felt like his earnestness was gone. And maybe it's because like in the time between Scream 3 and Scream 4, like they had gone through like a real life marriage and divorce. Oh, divorced, oh yeah, they divorced in 2013. 2010. They separated in 2010. Well, maybe because you watch these consecutively. Well, not necessarily consecutively, but within the short window that you can have that kind of perception. I'm kind of more in the mindset of, I think there are problems in the fourth one were a bit more realistic like i don't obviously they were trying to imply that there was some sort of connection with the woman sheriff and also that she was in herself just sort of tired of being she wasn't necessarily like a housewife or anything like that but i feel like just her settling out of her career for dewey and living in woodsboro there wasn't really enough for her and i kind of bought that i don't hate her arc necessarily i hate his But unfortunately, theirs intersect in such a way that it's like kind of impossible to separate them. Do you think this is a situation where like Sex and the City in the movie where where Steve cheated on Miranda? It is like, no, this would not happen. You think it's one of those type of shits? Yeah, kind of. Because like I would understand if Dewey was if the conflict was Dewey is trying to keep her caged in you know, and she doesn't want that because there's a story out there. And also, hey, I helped last time. Yeah. But instead, it seems like he's back in his arc from Scream 1 of like, well, I want the boys to take me seriously. (laughs) You have caught three serial killers, homie. If they don't take (laughs) you seriously on your resume at this point, they are never going to. So why do you care? You caring is giving them more incentive to make fun of you. It just seems like he he's backslid so hard. I agree of the backslide, but if you think about where two and three were outside of Woodsboro, so that's where he kind of gained his shit, but now he's back in Woodsboro. He's now back into, like, Deputy Dewey, like, getting dismissed like that. I mean, these Except people are just the subordinates. Sheriff. Yeah, yeah, these people are just and subordinates. And you never see but- anybody, you never see anybody dismiss him, by the way. You only ever see people listen to him and respect his authority. So I don't understand where this chip on his shoulder even came from. You never if had there was, that, though? 
But let me ask you though. So you never had like a situation to where for whatever reason, no matter how many years have passed, just whenever you're back in that situation, that environment, just like whatever you're sort of trapped into for that time period, like you're just stuck there. Like for me, I it's just like- I wish that they had invested in that then because we don't see a moment where he goes back. You know, it's like he starts back before anyone's even dead. Because the end of three is him, like, kind of the completion of his confidence arc, right? And you're like, yeah, nice. You're proud of him because he's grown throughout the movies. And each movie, he becomes a little more, he's still goofy, but, like, he's a little more confident. He's a little more competent. And, like, he knows when to ask for help. And you watch him grow, right? And then, yeah. like, immediately at the beginning of four, first moment in, I'm like, I feel like this is the beginning of scream where he's like running around being like you can't call me dewey you have to call me deputy riley because otherwise these guys will make fun of me for me the moment where like he goes back there and like i i bought it is when he's comforting sid after she sees the like stage scene of her mom's death i buy that he's like in college comforting his little sister's friend and you see everything that hasn't happened weighing on that moment again. By starting back at Sydney's mom's death, he has to acknowledge everything that has happened in the subsequent two movies. Yeah. And like, I don't know, just starting him back there. His arc is, I am the beginning of Scream 1. And his resolution is, I am the end of Scream 1. He deserves more at this point. Particularly for sequels. I'm kind of in the mindset of there are just some things that I don't need to kind of explain if I understand it in the earlier movies. And I think his role in that coming back to Wood, Woodworld and being the sheriff there. Mm-hmm. And then the only people that call him, well, actually, the only person that calls him Dewey is actually her. Do, uh, her and Sydney. I'm, I'm fairly certain of that in the fourth movie. Jill calls him that as well. Okay. But like, he's kind of part of their family at that point. So I kind of buy it. Like, I would not be surprised if, if Dewey occasionally went to like the Prescott family Thanksgiving, you know, (laughs) Prescott Thanksgiving. That's funny. For me, I just feel like, yeah, I get your point, but at the same time, like us starting there before anything bad even starts happening, it seems to me like a weakening of his character in a way that I just don't quite buy. So a lot of a lot of small town folk, I feel I like can relate to that. But you know, the funny thing is, I feel like I'm arguing on on the story's behalf for the third and for the fourth movies. But I don't necessarily know if I like these movies. Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. Special shout out to B. Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the Rasselcast Power Hour, and it's available everywhere. Podcasts or streams. So, everybody, check them out. You know, the Godfather will, and it's time once again for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the whole train. I have realized that I liked a lot of the set pieces in Scream 4, but I do not think I liked Scream 4. 
I'm I liked a lot of same boat. I liked a lot of individual sequences, but I don't know that I I liked it a lot. One thing that I think is is very noticeable, and this is gonna sound really weird because I know I don't think I liked Scream Three, but at least I enjoyed Scream Three, and I was like, I'll probably never watch that again. But like, it, that was not a terrible waste of what an hour and forty five minutes. <laughs> The first thing I noticed in Scream 4 was I was like, they really were hinting that Patrick Dempsey was in it for the long haul. Where is he? And like, the answer was scheduling conflicts. I was like, okay, it seems really weird that like, she was like, ready to like settle and like, maybe have a partner. And now she's like single and writing a book. And it's like, whoa. They were going to bring him in Scream 4? Yeah. But he he was called back for Transformers Dark of the Moon reshoots. <laughs> those transform those blasted Transformer movies fucked us uh, again. But he might be in Scream Five. Listen, do we? We'll, we'll get to that question. But I I feel like but, I feel like there were certain scenes where I was like he was this is this was supposed to be him right, and like now they have to give this chunk to like dewey or gail or the aunt or whatever and like the the literary agent like because that's who who we have yeah so i definitely felt some of that distribution weirdness right off the bat in scream four yeah those cold opens i found super jarring you know what would fix this whole problem for me like right away actually with dewey was that is if he saw all the screams on the lanterns and seemed at all visibly flustered by them because he sees all the ghost faces and he's like damn kids and like i'm like no he's like "Uh, uh, because let us not forget the serial killers in the first movie are damn kids and this movie so four of our seven ghost faces are teenagers and that's assuming oliphant is 20 so like if he was like oh god like the fucking kids like if there was a moment where that was like fear and not like malaise and it would be like some healthy fucking fear because like again even timothy olivant is a college student so there's a chance he's 18 or 19 Uh, i think he was like maybe like a a freshman or sophomore but i feel like you i was 18 my freshman year of college i was too but it feels like you did the violent pivot from answering one question that's going back to the uh, old question but like that would have fixed it like to to quote to quote my chemical romance oh lord teenagers scare the living shit out of me and like if there was a moment where someone was like oh come on like officer dewey like and they just kind of like belittled him about the fact that he was like fucking teenagers like what the fuck is wrong with that like then i would have been like all right, you know what? Like, I kind of get why we're regressing. <laughs> I just needed the sub to see the submarine go down. That's all I'm saying. I had I a really for, hard time believing that it was already sunk by the time we got there. I think for me, because it was Wes's last movie and there were some set pieces that I could appreciate, I, I gave it a three and a half on Letterboxd, not hard at it. And I think for his career, I think that was a, and you know, for his life overall, I think that was a, a solid dismount of a movie to, to kind of, especially if you're a horror guy in this series, you're trying to contextualize the entire horror genre 
I think for this movie, especially when he made this when he was based like 71, 72, mm-hmm. I think it was a solid landing. If it, I but if this was liked a lot of it. I but, don't know that I enjoyed it as a cohesive picture. But if this was Joe Schmoe's making this horror movie, would I say I like it? I would say I, I probably don't. So one thing that I loved, and you'll probably appreciate this actually, the Stabathon reminded me a lot of the Raven Go. That does not remind me of the Raven Go. <laughs> but like, why did that remind me of the Raven? It had Go? that weird, like, fervent energy of like this doesn't seem real but also i know people do this Hilarious. and like no but it, like it had a really similar vibe even though they're not necessarily similar visual set pieces and like remember in stab in, in stab two but like when scream two came out and they were doing that bit at the beginning where that woman gets killed and she crawls up on the screen and it takes them a minute to like realize if it's a publicity stunt or not yeah that happens in this one too and i really appreciate i was like that's a very clever callback the guy who wrote one and two wrote four as well so yeah so there were Shout a lot of Dawson's like Creek. there were a lot of little reincorporation moments where i was like yeah okay like i think that four is more competently made than three Definitely. i think i enjoyed more of the dumb bullshit of three than I did the competent plainness of four. Actually, the way you you worded that, I think sums up both of these movies pretty perfectly. I'm I have on screen three right now and I just watched Jenny McCarthy get iced and she's picking up dummy knives, flailing them about and they look very impotent. <laughs> and it's <laughs> There's no visual gags in Scream 4 at all. Oh, my God. The worst joke in all these movies was in Scream 4 when fucking Anthony Anderson gets clapped. And he says... Fuck Fuck Bruce Willis. Willis And he just dies. I I had to pause my screen. Like, I was watching this off my iPad. And I just had to, like, stare at a wall for a minute and i was like that actually that happened like mr somewhat. blackish himself just said fuck bruce willis after getting stabbed, stabbed in the in, brain in the prefrontal cortex which is where language is so bad so bad also uh, in order for him to be like that thoroughly stabbed in the skull Emma Roberts must be fucking jacked, brother. I think it was Macaulay Culkin. That did, we don't well, know. Macaulay Culkin seed, but yeah. Because she had just escaped the house. So it could have been her. One of the things that I always do with any horror movie, I always try to figure out who who done it. Yeah. Did you figure out who done it? The cousin from the get like bugged me because she didn't get as much development as her two friends. Okay. I guessed the wrong movie club guy. Oh, you thought it was the, the one with the headset well, on? Yeah, because they were like, he's live. When she, Gail said he's live streaming, like that was yeah. a pretty obvious red herring. But I was yeah. like, okay, so maybe it's the, the, the live streaming guy or he's in on it. Like I was like, because if it's two people, it might be one person's doing the stabbing, but he's like furnishing them with live streaming equipment and he doesn't like know what he's doing. Yeah. That was kind of what I was hoping for. Yeah, I thought it was one or the other. For Jill, the actual earliest tell that she was in on it 
was when they were watching Shaun of the Dead and Hayden tells the other girl, are you ever watching Shaun of the Dead? And then the killer says, I know you guys are watching Shaun of the Dead. Well, the, the other girl on the other end, she doesn't say it out loud. She's not, oh, do you like Shaun of the Dead? I like Shaun of the Dead. So there's no way he would have heard that they're watching that movie. Someone can, from in that room would have had to have spilled it. Can I just say, I think Hayden Panettiere is like the most beautiful woman in the world in this movie. I mean, listen. there. Do you remember her, her run in the, like, the late 2000s, early 2000s? Oh, yes, yes. I was an avid reader of Teen Vogue and Seventeen magazine for the articles. (sighs) She was (laughs) all over that, and she was beautiful. But that short hair slicked back. It was was great. It was so great. Uh... Like, you don't understand, man. No, because, like, I feel like, when her hair was long, like in Heroes, it fairly often kind of got in the way of her face. Yeah, you didn't really get to see like she has she has beautiful like cheekbones, and I was just like, damn, I kind of hope she's the bad guy because that means she'll die last. I was kind of hoping she was too. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't necessarily also, think she was. Okay. I was kind of hoping she was. Time out. She had a creature from the Black Lagoon poster in her bedroom, and you expect me to believe that she was popular in high school? If you look like that, Jill. <sighs> Jill had a U2 album Joshua Tree poster blown up in her bedroom. And you believe me, you expect me to believe that she's popular in high school. It's different times, different times. I don't know. No, no, I was in high school at that time. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. I graduated high school in 2015. I'm still thinking about Hayden, man. I'm still, you don't understand, like, I guess if you she, looked like a 30-year-old woman, you could definitely get away with more. Is it possible that she is too stunningly beautiful in this movie? Yes. I like, definitely was like, there were a couple of times where I was like, I don't know what she's doing, but she's doing she's it. She's doing it. Yeah. Like, anytime she was on screen, I swear to God, I did not look at anybody else, man. Like, it's fucking crazy, man. My How God. could you? She's perfect. Yeah. Like, Man. I don't even like blondes that much. I mean, that'll convert you. I'll tell you that much. That will convert you. Also, um, hey Hayden Panettiere, I just Googled you, and I guess um I guess you've been hanging out a lot with your abusive boyfriend recently. Your abusive <laughs> ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and it's okay to leave him. You deserve better. Come hang out with me. You will never remember that you had a boyfriend. Whoa. Hey, hey. <laughs> Damn. I don't know. That is both a there. threat and a promise. You are dirty macking on the airways. I love it. Man, she was short as fuck, though. She was mad short. That's fine. That is fine. That means she can wear the tall shoes when she hangs out with me. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Oh, I'm not even coming at that from a horny angle. That is just me mm-hmm. being like, please let me treat you better than men have ever treated you. It's not like you're shooting a shot at a celebrity. On- <laughs> we should do skits. <laughs> yeah, because I know Hayden is a devoted listener. I mean, she should Both be. Hayden like- Panettiere and Hayden Christensen. All the Haydens. Every Hayden. She's out here looking nice. Had to put down the Instagram for a second, but 
You know, the funny thing is, since dad is not in Scream 4, where the fuck is this guy? And talk about visual references. The dude was wearing the exact same outfit as, as the dad in Scream 1. So I thought that was pretty cute. Yeah. My daddy's podcast is called Hyphenation. It's the world's greatest podcast. Barack Obama proofed. On Hyphenation, my daddy talks about all kinds of cool things. And sometimes I'm on the podcast too. Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But he loves his podcast and I love his podcast. So I really want you to listen to Hyphenation. So daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad though because he has me. All right, please listen to Hyphenation. Thanks, y'all. I love the podcast. So please, please, please try to join. But if you know it. Thank you. Can we hear it now? Oh, man. So one of the questions that we have to ask, does this shit even need Scream 5? I mean, no, but I'm interested to see it anyway. So has any has anyone leaked like the premise of what it's going to be or anything like that? I don't think so. But I know that Sydney is back in it, which thank God. I don't know how you may feel about this, but the writer from Scream 1, 2, and 4 are going to be writing this one, too. I like Scream 1 and 2. I don't dislike Scream 4, but I don't like it the way that I like Scream 1 and 2. Like, the pivot from 3 to 4, it, it's, like, super blatant, but... Well, one thing I, I noticed right away is I was like, oh, this looks like studio lighting. Like, suddenly in Scream 4, this is Hollywood lighting. The photography was definitely changed also. Yes. And it just, it didn't feel coherent at all with the other. It, it felt. Oh yeah, it did not. Yeah. No. And there's no gags or bits. At one point they like say like, oh, it's an app. Like the voice changing is an app. But like, so that means that whoever was on the phone when in the ghost face thing was running around yelling into her phone. <laughs> That's hilarious. Show me that. <laughs> like there there were was the possibility to have bits that would like exist in the story that wouldn't make it feel cheap. And they just chose to go mostly bitless. Yeah, they were really down the line. And like the thing that made Scream 1 and 2 and to a little bit 3, but not as much 3. So interesting to me was that it was a little bit horror, a little bit parody of horror, but all the way in on the mystery, intrigue, thriller part. Yeah. And this one, I was like, oh, it's Jill. Okay, cool. And oh, it's Charlie. And I guess they're dating, but it was weird that he was just trying to make out with Hayden Panettiere. So was he just hoping that Jill would smash or like what? Uh, why is he doing this? No, he didn't get defined enough. And then he got axed and I was like, okay. You know, but the like, wild shit is. So he, like, he's a horny teenager who killed her because he couldn't get laid. But if he would have stuck around, he actually would have gotten laid by her. Yeah. Like, but also like he was like four years like that's how long it took and i was like homie 
Oh, he talk about talk about a, the the person that says he's a nice guy. Like oh, that's some nice guy shit for your ass. Like yeah, and like I think maybe part of it was also like I feel like we've seen the nice guy shit already. Yeah. Even with Randy, who is actually a nice guy. Yeah. And also like. I didn't really like this about Scream 3 where I could tell they regretted killing off Randy. But the video uh, message, oh. the video message Ooh. that he left was so well characterized where I was like, they just like wrote it. Like if they told me they filmed this while on the set of Scream 2, you would have believed it. Totally. It just yeah. seems like something that that Randy, the character would have done. Like yeah. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I still remember watching the the trailers and the commercials and the Jamie Kennedy thing on a commercial being completely dumbfounded, and then like watching the payoff in the actual movie. Told you I'd make a movie someday, huh? Oh my god. Well, if you're watching this tape, it means as I feared, I did not survive these killings here at Windsor College, and that giving up my virginity to Karen Kolchak at the video store was probably not a good idea. Karen Kolchak? Yes, Karen Kolchak. Creepy Karen? Shut up. She's a sweet person, okay? We were working late. We were putting away some videos in the porno section. And, you know, shit happens. Open the door, Randy. 15 minutes. My room, too. Paul, 15 minutes. I'm leaving my legacy. 15 minutes, Paul. Damn. Anyway, the reason I'm here is to help you so that my death will not be in vain. That my life's work will help save some other poor soul from getting mutilated. Yeah, and like, I couldn't be mad at it. Like, there was a lot of stupid stuff in Scream 3, but I really couldn't be mad at it. The Carrie Fisher cameo in Scream 3 brought me so much joy. (laughs) She shit it all. Like, and and it's not, like... It has nothing to do with nothing, but it's there. No, but it's in there and it rocks. And how am I supposed to be mad at it? And actually, and that's that's actually kind of what I was sort of pointing to earlier, to where it's like, to me, the comedy early in Scream Through took me out of it, but then like halfway through, I was just like, "Fuck it, let me just." Go I for feel the like ride. I feel like the deliberate comedy of Scream Three is not good when they're trying to yes. be funny. Yeah, but then when they're just like, "Well, we're doing bits now," <laughs> like when that's just all they're doing right yeah when like the director is like i or the producers like i used to put together parties for women who wanted to get ahead and i was like you know what we're doing this now like great we're in we're there like fantastic and like patrick warburton was like listen do drop and i was like we're doing it like we're in has he not played anyone except like sarcastic douchebags like <laughs> he's made it a career off that it's actually pretty it's incredible actually have i'm ever, not even gonna lie have you ever seen the tick because no in the tick he takes everything completely literally and earnestly like oh, he is okay. open heart he's like a disney prince he's like the hercules level himbo <laughs> himbo that's exactly who the fuck he is absolutely right I thought he was great. As soon as they just are like, this is 11. I was like, yes, this is 11. And I'm here for it. So like the fact that Patrick Dempsey had posters up in his office 
about Kiss Me Deadly, which is a movie where a private investigator kisses five separate women in an hour and 30 minute runtime that ends with them opening a box that's actually a nuclear bomb. Okay. <laughs> it's it is a wild ride. I highly recommend checking it out if you get the chance. And like to him, he's like, yep, that's policing is amazing. And like and and there's a line in that movie where it's like, don't stand too close to the window. I'm afraid somebody might blow you a kiss. And he's like, nice. call me Mark because I'm going to keep calling you, Sydney. And it's like all of those things like line up. Like I see the exact like how all the dominoes fell. Yeah. From that little throwaway gag in his office to his inability to deliver authentic sounding flirtatious lines. <laughs> I see it. And like, I don't see that in Scream 4 or as the format might lead me to believe it is called Scroforum. Scream 3 is post Columbine officially, right? Yes. And so the lightheartedness, they wanted to pump that in. So it was a more kind of dead sort of teens. And the terrible thing that I actually found really disconcerting about Scream 4 was the violence in that, especially particularly the scene with Jill getting murdered. I just felt that was super gratuitous and very gross. When she shot Trevor, shot, stabbed, and shot Trevor. Yeah. And there's a moment where you see this kid get shot in the groin. I think he gets stabbed in the chest and then shot in the head. And you hear his brain hit the floor. There is a disconcertingly high number of students who saw that happen to someone at their school. Yeah. Because the correct percentage of people who saw that happen at their school is zero. And so I feel like bringing it back homecoming in that way, I noticed that none of the murders happened at the school, which I think maybe they thought sidestepped that. Maybe, yeah. But it yeah. didn't. It's still teenagers murdering teenagers. And sometimes that happens at the party they weren't invited to. And unlike Scream 1, these characters actually look close enough to teenagers. They look at least 19, 18, and 20. So it's like they're like a hop skip away from graduating high school in theory. But Scream 1, I mean, Matthew Litter was probably like 25 or 26 when he did that or whatever. Yeah. So you kind of, and also it was it was before Columbine, so it's like there's some kind of gray area for that. But for Scream Four, it was very odd. I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. And then like the the girl getting like her brain zapped, like that was, you know, that was a bit much to kind of to kind of watch. Their motive was that they wanted to be the main character. They're doing it for the likes. They're doing it for right. the likes. Right, and like. <laughs> I, there was a moment where I thought it's the deputy because she is angry that Sydney never acknowledged her in high school. So she is trying to come for the acclaim that Sydney got. Yeah, they kind of tease out a bit. And I was like, honestly, I feel like I would find that less unsettling. I mean, a, a cop being a murderer, you don't got to set me hard well, on that. <laughs> but the other thing was like the way the movie ends is them talking about like single-handedly stopped by like jill roberts an american hero like blah 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 and then it like cuts to her like dead, dead face. face 
Yeah. There are some choices in this fourth one. And I, I was like, what are we trying to say? Because with that shot, it almost makes it seem like she was a hero that got chopped down too soon, which is not what we're doing, I thought. Yeah. yeah. You know, but like, I feel like that's like when they're like, we're looking forward to our press conference with like public figure that has just been murdered unbeknownst to us. And then they cut to like their dead face. And like, you know, that's how the biopic ends. And like, you know, it's it's sad because they finally started to get their head on straight and like, but now they're dead. Yeah. This movie ended like that about a serial killer who was doing it to get more likes on her Instagram live. That was and also the like, I am not the type of girl you fucking then dump line, like kind of rubbed me the wrong way as well, because it definitely seemed like someone in that writer's room was definitely like using this as like a metaphor for the women that like claim someone raped them. But like it was just because they regretted it like this was that from hell at this point now, one in three women have been sexually assaulted. Yeah. And so like that seemed maybe that number was less in 1999 or 1996 when Scream 1 came out. I hope it was. I know it probably wasn't. wasn't. But, you know, maybe they were less aware of it is perhaps the better way to phrase that. I think this movie had the worst case of men writing women that has happened in a Scream movie so far. It is odd that these killers are motivated by these sort of weird kind of sexualized episodes that have or have not happened to them and thinking about it a bit more i think i do agree with you that there were gaps in how they wrote these women even sydney gail was the best but if she hadn't been a pre-established character but they wanted someone to serve that purpose it probably would have been a male reporter probably i think i like gail but even sydney kind of thinking about the movie like there wasn't really much for her. She doesn't do anything. Movie. There and wasn't I think really that's, much for her in this movie. That's what I was missing. I was, I was yeah. like, all right, Sydney's got to learn something about herself, about the town, about her family, because that's what she does in each movie. She learns something. And that makes the motive of the killer a little clearer. And like these movies have a lot of elements of a classic mystery. And this one really doesn't have that. I'm watching the third one and and that's more so about her kind of giving like sort of moving beyond this trauma. And then they introduce it by saying, I have this book, I've written it. I'm trying to push women to move beyond their trauma. All right. Fucking dope. Great. Then it completely flatlines after that. Like her purpose after that, after like the first, what, like five minutes of her being in this movie is yeah. really just an excuse for serial killers to to have an excuse to serial kill. So, yeah, everything in Scream Three was completely discordant, but like they still managed to land the plane. Yeah, and like it was on fire, and like pieces of it were missing, but they landed the same plane they took off in. Yeah, and I feel like Scream Four was like not the same plane. And I kind of wished that maybe they had taken advantage of that to introduce the next generation, if that's what they were trying to do, because it seemed like that was what they were trying to do. Like, really, the movie is about, like, Jill and Kirby and the video club boys and, like, whatever. But then they all die. So it's like, oh, 
Did Hayden survive? No. I saw her bleed out, but I didn't see her like croak. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if in Scream Five they were. She's like, I lived, bitch. But like, now she hates Sid. Wants to be. Yeah, exactly. And now she's she and Patrick Dempsey, who Sid jilted at the altar, have teamed up. They met through Plenty of Fish, and they are uh, trying to kill Sydney because they both felt abandoned by her. And actually, we find out that they all had the same grandmother who made Sydney's mom a whore in the first place. Does yeah. that? First place, that's why. That that like I feel like to me though I'd be like, well, you know what? That definitely lands the same shitty plane as Screen Three. Nice job. I'm trying to figure out who the fuck is going to be the killer now. Like, it it was it was Sydney's boyfriend. It was Sydney's boyfriend's mom. It was Sydney's fucking brother and Sydney's niece like mm-hmm. it's it's cousin cousin it's gonna be the dad and scream fucking five well you know what? i just had, enough. I, just had I, enough I feel like it's gonna be like the college theater professor from scream two like they're gonna bring back <laughs> someone weird i will just say i was re-watching scream two and i was like the college theater professor in scream two is college professor goals like everyone oh, who yeah. wants to teach at a college level should have to watch him explain why she should do this very much so you know the funny thing is so the the black girl that got murdered and screamed to her friend it's it's gonna be like her brother her her brother her brother's comeback you got my fucking sister killed no it's gonna be timothy oliphant's (laughs) brother-in-law oh my Um, god I just got out of the same asylum. I heard my brother was killed. Yeah, I heard my brother-in-law was killed. Like, I don't even want it to be, like, a blood relation. It was like, my brother-in-law was murdered. Oh, man. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chianetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Showin Mad Love on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow our Twitter page at Cat and Mark, and read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob.wordpress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? Hey, what if the killer's Sydney Prescott? I mean, what the hell ever happened to her? She's probably off in the woods living like the fucking Unabomber, man. <laughs>